Welcome to Coffee with Romina. This is your host, Romina Muhammadai, award-winning leader, negotiation and sales expert, and your new favorite podcaster. Each week, we bring you inspiring stories from extraordinary people of diverse industries, sharing practical advice and tips on how to overcome career and personal obstacles, define your own success, and take charge of your own destination. Thank you for spending time with us today. Now let the show begin. Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome back to Coffee with Romina podcast. This is your favorite podcaster, Romina. I hope you guys are having a tremendous and a fabulous and a gorgeous and a beautiful day. Well, first and foremost, I want to thank you for tuning into our show. If you are brand new to our show, welcome. And if you are one of our loyal listeners, welcome back. And thank you so, so much for trusting me with your time, you guys. It is Tuesday. It is time to actually launch a new episode. And today's guest speaker, as a matter of fact, is Ms. Maureen Metcalf. Ms. Maureen is the founder and CEO of Innovative Leadership Institute, which not only that, but she's also a regular author for Forbes, you guys. She is the host of Innovating Leadership Show, which is on Voice of America, you guys. It's an international radio show focusing on innovative leadership. And she is the author of an award-winning book series, on innovative leadership. So I know I said innovative leadership multiple times in here, but this is exactly what we're actually going to talk about on this episode. Understandably, with everything going on in the world, we do have a lot of new things that we have to learn. We do have to adopt very quick. And this is exactly what I asked our guest for today. Ask her about on culture differences, how we can actually collaborate successfully, even though we would come from different cultures. What happens when a leader actually makes a mistake and how they can still maintain their authority and accept the fault on their mistakes. As well as she actually discovers an amazing new project that she's working on, which made me super duper happy. And like my chicks were hurting at the end of the episode, you guys. That's how happy that information made me, okay? I don't want to spoil the episode, you guys. I definitely want you to enjoy it. And before we jump into today's episode, just a quick reminder to go ahead and hit the subscribe button wherever you are listening to this podcast from. And if it is Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a five-star review or short comment. And tell us how amazing we are doing. We would love to hear from our audience. But out of that, I hope you guys enjoy. Hi, Maureen. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Romina. How about you? I'm good. I'm blessed. Thank you so much for being a part of Coffee with Romina podcast. First, I want to actually pass on the mic to you to let the audience know a little bit. How did you go about having the career that you currently have? You know, I wish I could say it was all planned. As the world has changed, we, I believe, have all taken pivots or different directions. Uh, And so it was really about being open to alternatives as they came. And also when things happen, unplanned endings like the Enron collapse, and that impacted my career professionally. That, and we're all having those, right? That, that through no fault or blame or issue, we're encouraged to change directions. And so it was really being able to quickly scan and realign based on what I was passionate about and what my skills were and where I could make an impact in the world. 
This show is sponsored by Sales Law of Averages online course. The course is a business development course teaching sales professionals and entrepreneurs how to master their sales funnel through sales and negotiation techniques. We all work hard on our leads, but unfortunately often fail to convert those leads to sales. Well, now you can say goodbye to those days. Order the course today at connectwithromina.com forward slash courses to get a deep discount. Receive access to over 40 videos, five hours of training material, and study even movie negotiation scenes today for just $79. Use the promo code Romina, which is spelled R-O-M-I-N-A at checkout. Again, the website is connectwithromina.com forward slash courses and use the promo code Romina that's spelled R-O-M-I-N-A at checkout. Master your sales today. I love it. Absolutely. You're always looking to stay resilient and actually stay motivated to what's next, not necessarily, you know, stay there and cry about what what is happening currently. Something that I definitely wanted to ask you, though, because, I mean, you wrote multiple books about leadership, you coach and train on leadership. But I feel as of last year, for example, 2020, it had a lot of leaders kind of be be stuck in a moment that sometimes they would make mistakes, even without necessarily, you know, wanting to make a mistake. How can a leader really own up to a mistake, though, and still like continue success of a company and not lose reputation? So we, we talk about the leadership competencies for leaders going forward, and they are different than what we what was required up through COVID. So we have shifted environments. And one of the things I love is because the world is changing so quickly, we have to acknowledge we make mistakes. We all made mistakes anyway, right? So it, it's not like we weren't making them. We were just in a world where people would say the words, you know, fail forward, all that stuff. But many cultures really penalized people for making mistakes. And now I believe we are in an environment where to thrive, we must acknowledge that we are, the good leader is more like a scientist than the old command and control. So I'll use Dr. Fauci as an example. When the pandemic started, we had one set of guidelines around masks. And science changed, right? It's every day they're researching something. And now we have uh, research that suggests that masks are beneficial, especially for the person with the with the virus, that it reduces their ability to transmit the, the disease. So as we learn, effective leaders need to acknowledge immediately, it's not that I was bad. It's that I made the best decision and took the best action with the information I had. We're in an environment where we have to respond quickly. We never have enough information. We take the smallest step we can. We continue to gather information. So, so again, more treating the world like a science experiment than like a project that I've planned from A to Z. And, and I love how you said making the best decision with the resources that you have, because I feel like that we need to practice that in our daily life, too. Even if we get upset or mad with a family member or with a coworker, like we have to give them the benefit of the doubt saying they, they made the best decision with the resources that they have. Another thing that I wanted to actually get your opinion on is because I feel like as of right now, we're working without borders because globally, we're all trying to merge together and be able to work together uh, towards the virus or even corporate world business, how can we 
train and how can we work with leaders from different cultures? Like, for example, I'm Albanian. In my culture, we can be very direct. And sometimes in American culture, they might be considered rude sometimes. When our culture, it's not. So how can we create those healthy boundaries in order to move forward as a team, even when we come from different cultures? I think that's a great question. And I would say there are two elements. So as a leadership team, we set corporate guiding principles. And they would be things like treating each other with respect and compassion. Now, that's going to mean something different to you than someone in Ohio, mm-hmm. than someone in New York. So the, the first is, as a culture, we define not only the words kind and respectful, we, we actually explain what that looks like. So it, it means X, and I'm, we don't need to go into that. And then... Basically, we set agreements within that context. So you and I may have the agreement that I really want your candor. Somebody else may have the agreement that they really don't want candor. They want a a more polite discourse. You and I may have not impolite, but more direct. So I think it is both the, the corporate boundaries and expectations, but then each of us is going to show up differently based on our relationship together. If you and I are close, I'm going to want very direct feedback. Mm-hmm. If I don't respect you, frankly, I don't want any feedback. It really will be dependent upon the relationship and the and the role you play in my life. And, and I like how you said you have to have those guiding principles and explain those to make sure everybody's in the same page. That is absolutely very important because what something means to you might not mean the same to me. Now, also, can you can you be a good leader if you're just a very sensitive and emotional person? Or can you train somebody to be a very good leader if they just have a very high emotional personality? I think you can. You know, we, when we look at one, what was required in the past, again, mm-hmm. it, it was, and I'm talking, you know, 25 years ago, you go to work, you do your job, you go home, you have friends at home, not at work. Now Gallup is saying you're 8% probability of being engaged if you don't have a best friend at work. So we have changed now how we think about work. And to that end, having a, an appropriate level of emotional contact is very beneficial. If I happen to be on the end of, I, I am unaware of my emotions, as, as a coach, I help people learn the language of emotion and to get in touch with them because they're contagious, just like sneezing, right? If I come in angry and, and frustrated, people are going to be aware of that and they're going to respond. If I am overly emotional, and again, that's subjective, I need to learn to um, protect myself. So that I am not, if, if emotions are contagious, I am going to catch, quote, the emotions of others. Mm-hmm. So I have to, to be very cautious, just like I'm wearing a mask now during COVID, what would be the mask I would wear metaphorically so that I am not continually adversely impacted by the emotions, especially strong emotions of those around me. 
Yes. And I mean, absolutely. You, we, for a full-time worker, you work 40 hours at a job minimum, let's say. That's most of your awakening hours to begin with for the week. Therefore, we definitely want to make sure we bring the best attitude and control our emotions and be able to bring the best version of ourselves in the workplace. Now, how can we like for corporate world, because sometimes in the corporate world, world, you have this debate a lot, like there's managers, but not leaders. But how can a corporate environment actually amplify and support that leadership spirit into somebody that, you know, that maybe is looking to move to their own entrepreneurship adventure later on, five, 10 years later down the road? How can corporates help that spirit and that leadership uh, go up and not be demotivated? So when we look at change, we look at vision and values. So what is what are the vision and values of the company and of the individual? Second is the behaviors. And then third is the culture. So my personal vision and values live in me. The corporate vision and values show up in the culture. And then we've got my behaviors and the systems and processes within the company. So I need to be clear about where what I aspire to do so that I'm taking advantage of those opportunities. And the organization, I think, needs to be clear that it is creating a culture that promotes its own success as as an entity and the success of the people within it. So its responsibility, the corporation's responsibility, is to serve the stakeholders and meet its mission. If educating people um, to move up the leadership ranks who may eventually exit is part of its mission or allows it to meet its mission, then that has to be built into the culture. And so I'll say I came out of large accounting firms, big consulting. Uh, It was very much expected that you would move through a portion of your career in the firm and then you would exit preferably to a client who would hire you back. So, so the, the entire structure supported growing people while they were there with the expectation that it is a good thing for folks to exit rather than you're disloyal and we throw you off the bus. So how do you, how does the organization create the value proposition such that investing time and money to train people is in fact good for them and for the mission? Yeah, because I feel like to add on to it, I feel like a lot of companies sometimes are scared to like train you a lot more because they feel like they're going to lose top talent. But like that expression says, if I don't train you, you will be stuck in my company. Therefore, I'm losing, you know, if I don't invest on X employee as well. Again, kind of going back to like the no border world that we're living in, people are hiring, you know, a company in Ohio might be hiring me in Florida, for instance, to help out on something because it's becoming such a norm right now, not as much as it was before, I would say. How can you build a sustainable leadership online, though, even though you're not physically present with your employees? How can you do that virtually? So I know a lot of people prefer to be physically present And that does offer a set of experiences where we see body language and and those things. I believe that that is possible also in an online setting, maybe not preferable, but possible. And what it means is we build different muscles than we did in person. So I would say probably most of your listeners have been in-person meetings and you get, quote, a feel for somebody, right? You can you can tell something about them mm-hmm. and, and it's a lot from body language as well as tone of voice and, and cadence and all that stuff. 
I think we need to develop that differently so that I can, as I'm looking at you and I scan and I see the room you're sitting in. So before you would have been in my office or I would have been in your office, I wouldn't have the personal information about your physical setting. I wouldn't be able to ask what is the thing on the shelf behind you or or what are these books? I can learn about you. I can watch your body language. I can hear you. I can see often what I've learned is I know people's kids and pets, right? So I, I bond slightly differently because we are more open and personal and we need to structure our meetings differently so that we are taking time to connect as human beings, which maybe would have been a good thing anyway. Now I think we have to be more deliberate about you know, asking how people are doing because there are massive in- incidents of depression and loneliness. So as leaders, how do we show up more personally, even though we have a crushing workload, right? Like none of the work went away. And yet it is paramount for us to connect as human beings to to be effective leaders. I like how you mentioned to kind of observe the environment around, you know, one one another whenever you're working through virtual meetings, like right now my bookshelf and your bookshelf. This way we both can kind of, you know, maybe talk about books for a minute before we get to work or maybe um, a little, you know, ornament that you have on the on the wall, maybe bond a little bit differently and create those personal relationships stronger. So that's something that sometimes we tend to avoid and because we're like, oh, it's personal, but that's how you'd be able to build those relationships better. So I'm very happy you did bring that up. That's a very good point. Now, before we actually jump into Voice of America, which is a really great project that you have going on continuously, I wanted to actually ask you, what would be one of your toughest leadership moments? And what would you say was the best lesson that you've got from it? Mm. You know, it's it's an interesting question. Uh, probably losing a job. Uh, I was working for a large consulting firm. I was in the utilities industry. My role was helping set up the trading floors and the transmission corporations. And if this is airing anytime in the near future, if we think about what just happened in Texas with ERCOT, and so that was the stuff that I was helping set up. After the Enron crisis, basically that work stopped. I was up for partner and there was no way I was going to meet my goals. That 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 industry had uh, hit pause. So, and at the same time, it, the company as Accenture uh, was going public. So people who were up for a partner who weren't going to meet their goals uh, weren't, weren't, at least in my case, and there were a lot of us who exited at the same time. And I felt deficient, right? I had been fired. Now I didn't, you know, do anything heinous. So it wasn't the like I had stolen, but my sense of self was severely dented. And it took a long time to to bounce back to having the level of confidence that I do now. And, and a long time and a lot of successes. Would you say because of what happened that that was like a tough moment for your life? you are where you are right now and you're a lot more grateful for to be where you are? I would say for my experience and, and given the work I do, 
uh, we talk about disorienting dilemmas and the opportunity when we lose a job or a marriage or um, heaven forbid a child and when we lose our parents because we will mostly all go through that um, hopefully right that we outlive our parents um, those disorienting dilemmas give us the opportunity not everyone takes them to step back and take stock of how we're seeing the world how we see ourselves in the world so one of my colleagues talked about sitting with her dad on his deathbed and realizing that she had a fairly limited relationship with him because he was such a workaholic. She carried that on and was a workaholic and spent very little time with her son. Um, she used that moment and that shift in meaning making to say, I want to live my life differently. It is those, to your point, those disorienting dilemmas create an opportunity for us to grow uh, and for people who have the capacity to do so, it's a brilliant gift while it doesn't, a kick in the teeth never feels like a gift at the moment, but we can um, shift our perspective to take advantage of that negative thing that happened. I love it. I yeah, absolutely agree. I feel like, you know, when things happen, you shouldn't look at it of it's happening to me. You can look at it as it's happening for me. And through, you know, life events that happen, we can absolutely create pivotal moments and maybe recalibrate our own, you know, way of living, way of thinking and take advantage of the positive side. Because a lot of people sometimes hang on to the negative side of that. I thank you for that is absolutely very important for those moments to change our to shift our mentality. Now, let's talk a little bit about Voice of America. You do have, um, you know, your podcast as well as uh, it goes broadcasting weekly for the Innovative Leadership. Tell us a little bit more about that project and how did that have even helped you on your business wise, just adding broadcasting to your business formula? So for me, this has been one of the interesting journeys. Uh, I, because of the podcast, I'm now a fellow with the International Leadership Association. And so I get to do 15 to 20 interviews with absolutely world-class leaders, thought leaders, researchers, uh, along with that, that and that I've been doing it now for five years and we have a, a fairly large following. Uh, I'm getting access to people who are publishing books, top executives who, who are understanding that podcasting is a, a useful way to, to convey their message and create visibility. I now get to have conversations with absolutely brilliant people every week. So it's a great opportunity for me to learn. What, what does it do for the business? Um, one of my commitments, my main commitment is elevating the quality of leadership around the world. Not everyone will ever be able to pay me for that. And what I learned doing some work in Africa and other places, not everyone can even afford a book, but they can listen to a free podcast. And so as things go wrong in the world, when things get bumpy, my commitment is I get to put positive messages that are well-researched and valuable for leaders into the world as an antidote for some of the silliness we see. I love it. And I know before you even launched your podcast, you were a little bit hesitant in it. And now, you know, after a while, you definitely see the benefit out of it. If somebody maybe is listening to this episode and wants to get the final push towards maybe launching their own podcast, what is one piece of advice you can give to them? 
it takes time to get good at anything. If you listen to my first podcast, I, I asked my dad to listen to it a while in, and I think he counted 47 ums in the first five minutes or something. He's like, you got to stop that. I mean, I wasn't awful, but I wasn't very good. I'm not encouraging people to go back and listen to that unless they really want a lesson in what development looks like. Be patient with yourself. You know, get some people on the podcast who who help you feel comfortable. I recorded that at the Voice America studio there in Phoenix. I took my niece with me for her uh, high school graduation. So she sat in the studio with me and, you know, made faces at me the whole time. And just what do you do to relax and feel more comfortable and just practice? We get better with practice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a learning curve. I can relate to that too. My very first episodes, the audio is just so horrible that sometimes I'm like, I want to take this down. But also you want to motivate others and be like, hey, it's a learning curve. Like not everybody started perfect. If you wait to be perfect, you'll never launch. Just saying, you guys. (laughs) And then you also have run multiple books. Now my, uh, and I'll attach all the information on the show notes for my lazy listeners. It will just be one step away for you guys. But my question to you as an author of multiple books and award-winning author, I wanted to ask, what does it feel for you to pass along your message internationally? What satisfaction does it give you to deliver that message for leadership and for innovation internationally? And when you see people actually taking action on it, what's that inside set satisfaction feeling. Can you describe it to us? My commitment is elevating the quality of leadership around the world. We are living in a time where we have more change than ever in human history, right? So in one way, we will see major solutions to cancer. We're going to be curing some of the diseases we have. We hopefully will elevate social justice. So if we are not equal by the end of my lifetime, hopefully we're very close. You know, so we're seeing solutions to big issues and we're creating others. The questions of cloning and cyber issues and, you know, the world is just more complex. And so we need leaders who are incredibly effective and continue to improve their their skills to navigate the challenges and the brilliant opportunities we see. So for me, continuing to publish books that are very concrete and offering tools. So I I do offer leadership models, but I also, each of the books includes the action steps to go from, I can talk about leadership at a cocktail party and in my staff meetings to, I actually live this in my bones, in my heart, I am different than I used to be and I'm more effective. And so the thing I love the most is getting an email from somebody who says, I got that next promotion or this really helped me. And it helps people not only professionally, but personally, as I get better skills, I don't leave those in the office, especially when I work from home, uh, that, that people are able to grow and develop in every facet of their lives. And and that's at the core of my reason for being. So I am beyond grateful that I happen to be able to make an impact on people's lives in a way that matters. 
And I love how you said that you you mentioned not only the work environment, but actually change them within the core. So it helps them, the person develop even more personally, not just for a career. And for you, my listeners, I mean, I say this is a podcast about business and life, because as much as we try to separate those two together, we we cannot be successful at doing so. And I mean, Maureen just mentioned the perfect example that we develop personally uh, by career, and that's where our personal growth comes with it, too. Oh my goodness, I love this conversation, I have to say, but I'm sure you're not just sitting there, you know, just working on projects here and there. I'm sure you have something else that you're probably going to launch soon or working towards. What's in your project that you like to share with us and let the audience know? So beyond books and podcasts, the podcasts are integrated into all of our leadership development training, as are the books. So you and I talked before we started about uh, using those tools curated through the Kajabi platform with uh, coaches and focused on leadership development. So what I'm really excited about is scaling that to make a concerted impact within companies. So I just got off the phone with a client that they're bringing us in to help them transition to the next level of scaling within their company And to do that, they need to refine how their leaders lead, but also how they run the business, right? How do they do budgeting? How do they do performance management? So integrating the leadership and the process work to help entire organizations scale and be more effective. And I, again, these companies impact the lives of all of their employees, all of their clients, all of their stakeholders, suppliers, and, and that ripples through. So helping a company's leadership team significantly impacts everyone they touch. And that's really exciting to me. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's absolutely a domino effect because it affects the employees, employees, families, you know, families. It's, it's, a, it's a whole ripple effect that goes along with that. So let me add one more. I'm working with an, a research organization focused on Uh, treating and curing cancer. Uh, And they will be one of the first in the country, if not the first to have two different kinds of, uh, one is called flash technology. So one's a proton accelerator, one's an electron accelerator. And so we are, will be treating cancer at the subatomic level, which, and again, I'm not the scientist, but a patient will walk through something that, that is conceptually like a TSA booth they will be delivered these particles. It's a one shot, it's a millisecond. And that would replace months of radiation treatment. So think about people having to go um, travel back and forth while they're sick or stay for months to get this treatment that is may cure the cancer, but cause other damage, right? The radiation burns the skin, that these treatments, the particles fall off more quickly. So there's less damage. I am just That's amazing. so excited to participate with folks that are curious, solving our big problems, working with people, looking at renewable energy. Just my goal is to help the leaders who are solving the world's biggest problems. And I actually get to in some cases. That's amazing. I mean, since you start talking about it, like I feel like I have a frozen smile on my face because that would be amazing. Like I, 
yes, I'm fully for it. That would be amazing as an individual that has been affected from friends having cancer and unfortunately being passed away from it. Like that technology investment itself, that's amazing. And I'm, I'm internally happy to meet somebody that is a part of such a project too. So thank you for all your work that you do. Now, before I jump to the very last question, I just wanted you to um, to let the audience know where where can they get a hold of you? How can they find you? So the best is either connect with me on LinkedIn and just in the note, say that you heard the podcast. Email my company info at innovateleader.com. And again, put in the subject line something about our conversation here. Uh, because I know we all get a bunch of spam and uh, it's hard to make sure I sift through the, the right stuff and delete the stuff that isn't a focus. So those are probably the two best ways. And I would say for an initial contact LinkedIn okay. because of the the spam thing and, and the amount of stuff that I accidentally occasionally delete something I shouldn't. And I'll attach the LinkedIn connection for you guys too. So you'd be able to just directly contact. And um, my very uh, last Romina, question. Yes. Can I, to add to that, we have a newsletter that we publish each week. That is the radio interviews and blogs that are uh, often an article that accompanies the content in the interview. Please follow that again. We will not, we will not track you down. We will not spam you. You sign up on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn sends you the thing each week and that's it. It's educational and informational one. Yes, that's a, I actually have to subscribe for that myself too. I did not know that. So I'm glad I asked. Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. And then my very last question, which I'm intrigued and I have to say I'm biased because this is my favorite question ever. Uh, What is your personal definition of success? Mm. So I talked about my commitment to elevating the quality of leadership and contributing to solving some of the biggest problems. Now, I realize that I often won't see the impact. So you're going to have listeners who may hear something that's helpful, and I don't expect that they all write to me. But knowing that what I do matters, what I do helps people, that whether I see it or not, knowing that the time I'm spending on the earth is making the world better because each of us consumes stuff. So I have to contribute back more than the cows I ate to, or shoes I wore, or stuff I put in the landfill. So to me, being successful is leaving the world a better place for the very precious people in my life that I, I value so dearly, and also the people who I will never meet, that hopefully my presence mattered in some small way. I love it. Thank you so much for being a part of Coffee with Romina podcast. Thank you. And any last thing that you'd like to leave the audience with? Maybe something I didn't ask you that you'd like to mention? My invitation to everyone is that during this time of big change, absolutely everyone that's listening is required. Everyone has a role to play and it's important. And the world is better when you lean in to use those words, take the risks and do the hard work of growing and developing and contributing, even when people don't necessarily recognize 
what you're doing. I mean, that's an amazing way how to end this interview. Honestly, you guys, <laughs> thank you to my dear audience. Thank you so much, Maureen, for being a part of Coffee with Romina podcast. And to you, my loyal listeners, make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you're getting your podcast juice from. And we'll see you next week with an amazing episode just like this one. Bye. This podcast is a 6-7 Radius production. To learn more about 6-7 Radius, our services, and how we can help you strategize your marketing and increase your sales, click the service tab on connectwithromina.com.